Well, welcome everybody to the Gary Wilkerson podcast. We're thrilled to have with us again, uh, Pastor Sam Storms, uh, pastor of Amazing Church in Oklahoma, uh, author of many great books, a well-known conference speaker, and uh, someone who just, uh, I really love having him on our podcast because he's so rooted and tethered to the word, and that's such a great blessing to us. Sam, thank you for joining us once again. Welcome. Thanks, Gary. Good to be with you again, if only by Zoom. Yeah, yeah, always by Zoom. But, uh, one of these days we'll get to meet face to face. Yeah, you uh, you just finished a, a, another book. What number book is this? Do you have them numbered or you've forgotten? Uh, close to thirty-five. Thirty-five. Oh my goodness, that's that's incredible. That's probably is that a, almost like one a year in your ministry? <laughs> uh, not quite, but close. Okay. Uh, yeah, COVID uh, helped a lot because I actually wrote two new books during the COVID shutdown. So wonderful. Uh, they'll be out sometime next year. Uh, oh, good. Good. So. We, we um we we we've been looking at your book uh, on the spiritual gifts, uh, and that just came out a couple weeks ago, huh? Yeah, September first. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to just dig right into this because this is such an important topic. Uh, in some quarters, in some places, it's, it's not at all controversial. It's just received and accepted. In other places, it's a little bit more controversial. But in all places, it's extremely important. And I think that's why your book is important. That's why people should should get it. Go right to to Amazon uh, or other your favorite uh, booksellers, or probably through uh, Sam Storm's website, which is Sam, samstorms.com, I believe, if that's correct. No, dot org. Dot org. Samstorms.org. Um, so yeah, let me start with questions. Um, just to, we'll throw the softball one out there first. What is a spiritual gift, uh, and how is a spiritual gift compared to just like a natural talent? Like somebody's a good speaker, as compared to has the gift of uh, prophecy or something like that. Um, well, yeah. Let me take the second question first. Um, there can often be an overlap between a natural uh, developed skill or maybe even personality trait and a spiritual gift. But sometimes, in fact, many times, uh, there's no correlation at all. Um, so somebody who, uh, somebody who is a gifted communicator just by virtue of their education and they're saved doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the spiritual gift of teaching. Um, it might well be that God will, as it were, kind of exploit in a good way or take advantage of certain skills or talents or um, educational developments that we have had in our experience in life and make use of those and and bless us with a spiritual gift that is somehow corresponding to that. But um, not always, not always. Um, So I think it's important that people don't identify spiritual gifts with certain personality distinctives. I, I think that's somewhat dangerous. Um, so spiritual gifts, then, um, the simplest definition is that uh, I take it from 1 Corinthians 12, 7. They are a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it's, it's the Spirit of God in and through us manifesting His presence, enabling us to exceed our finite human limitations in order that we might serve others for their upbuilding in the body of Christ. Um, and again, the uh, you know, the whole concept of a spiritual gift, people sometimes forget the word gift and focus on the word spiritual. It's an expression of God's grace. It's not, it's not a reward for obedience. Um, it's not a badge of a special privilege in the body of Christ, it's not an indication that somebody is more loved of God than another. 
Uh, it is an expression out of God's good favor and his unconditional grace and kindness uh, designed to help his people build up his people. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the best way I know how to define it. Yeah. And, and uh, what, are, what are some of these gifts? Can, can you just throw out a, uh, I know there's scriptures that, have, that list some of them. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, in, in the book, for example, uh, I address the question, how many are there? Um, I have identified, I'm trying to find the exact page uh, where I actually list them, but I have identified explicitly no fewer than 21 gifts in the New Testament. But um, I think that there may well be uh, some additional gifts. Um, so I can't find where it is. But um, encouragement, giving, faith, teaching, um, administration, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, evangelism, mercy, serving, um, you know, go on and on. So uh, possibly 20 to 21 gifts, depending on how one reads Ephesians 4.11. Um, and then I think that there are probably, and again, I, people need to understand, I, I'm I'm speculating a little bit here, but I, I can identify perhaps three additional gifts that I have seen operate in people that aren't explicitly mentioned in the New Testament. Um, now, in saying that, it's important to understand that if there are gifts that God gives that are not explicitly mentioned in the New Testament, they would still have the same function, the same purpose. They'd have to be uh, used in the local church. Uh, along with the same guidelines that uh, all the, that govern all the other gifts. So, for example, uh, I think of the I think of intercession. Uh, now, all Christians are supposed to intercede and pray. We know that, but there are some believers who seem to have this extraordinary capacity and calling and energy, and even effectiveness in their intercessory prayers. They just want to they just want to spend all their time on their knees. Uh, seeking the throne of grace for the sake of other people. Uh, it's kind of like evangelism. Evangelism is a spiritual gift, but we're all supposed to evangelize. But just because somebody has a spiritual gift of evangelism doesn't get us off the hook for sharing our faith with others. But there are some people who have, again, an extraordinary empowering and an energy and an effectiveness in sharing their faith. Um, you know, all of us, for example, uh, are supposed to teach one another. You know, we teach one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Um, but some people have the unique, extraordinary capacity to teach uh, in a more effective way the Word of God. So intercession might be a possibility. Um, another one uh, would be, for lack of a better way of putting it, deliverance ministry. Uh, all Christians have authority over the demonic. Luke 10, Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Um so we know that each Christian has, you know, by virtue of their identity with the risen Christ, the authority over the demonic. But there are some people, again, who, who appear, at least uh, by my observation, to function with uh, a zeal and an energy and an authority that is more effective in helping people get delivered from demonic oppression than others. And then one final one, which would be a little bit more controversial, is what I would call the gift of interpretation. And I don't mean by that interpreting scripture because all Christians are responsible to interpret the word of God. But um, if God still provides dreams, for example, 
uh, or visions to people today, which I believe he does. Um, people come to me all the time. They said, Sam, I had this incredible dream. And could you interpret it for me? And I say, no, sorry, I can't. <laughs> I'm no good at that. But I know some people who, who have a facility in making sense of the symbolism of dreams and sometimes can discern whether or not it's from God or not from God. You remember uh, uh, kind of an Old Testament equivalent was Daniel. Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar had his dream uh, that figures so prominently in the first four or five chapters of Daniel, uh, um, all the wise people in Babylon couldn't interpret it. And Daniel is called in and he did. And he said, God is the one who gives the interpretation. So I think some people might uh, operate in that kind of gifting. So I would say all told, maybe 24 gifts. Uh, and again, there may be others that I'm not aware of, but uh, um, those, those would be the ones that I would typically uh, point to. And again, you can go to Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, uh, Ephesians 4, 11, 1 Peter 4, and you can see the listing um, of those gifts. Yeah. The, the, I sometimes get a little confused uh, at the, uh, the ability to obtain a gift. Um, the sovereign will of God just give somebody a gift or uh, desire spiritual gifts, Corinthians. Yeah. Uh, can, can, you, can I get more gifts than one if I want one? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, we have to operate on the, uh, with an understanding of 1 Corinthians 12, 11. I'm looking at it right now. All these gifts, Paul says, are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So ultimately... Who gets what gift is not up to us. It's not subject to our will. It's according to the sovereign will of the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there isn't anything we can do. As Paul says um, later uh, in, in that same chapter, verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Uh, he opens chapter 14, uh, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially if you may prophesy. He says the same thing at the end of 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 39. So we, I think, are uh, to pray and say, Lord, you know, if there are other gifts that you want to bestow if, that are according to your will for my life and ministry, awaken me to that, put a burden in my own heart for that gift, give me a hunger and a desire for it, and I'm going to seek you, I'm going to pray, I'm going to study, I'm going to learn about how this gift operates, and then we ultimately submit ourselves to the, to the purposes of God. But um, you know, the, the other part of your question, can a Christian have more than one gift? Absolutely. I mean, look at Paul. Uh, he had the gift of teaching, evangelism, healing, prophecy, exhortation. I mean, just apostleship. He had a multitude of gifts. Um, we know that a Christian can have more than one gift because 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and verse 39, he's writing to Christians in Corinth who all already had at least one gift. We know that's the case. And he's telling them earnestly desire even more gifts. Um, and then of course, down in verse 13, he tells the person who prays in a tongue to pray that he may interpret. So he says, if you want to use that gift in the corporate assembly, you have to have the gift of interpretation. So uh, yes, I think that, uh, I think that Christians can have um, any number of gifts. I don't believe that any one gift is the possession of every Christian. And I don't think that any Christian has all the gifts, but certainly, uh, according to God's purpose, uh, we can have more than one. 
Yeah. I think the hardest part I've had for that, and thank you for that answer. I think that, that really helps clarify that. The hardest part I've had with this is, you know, when, uh, especially when you're younger, I think, uh, maybe you go to a, a conference and um, leaders are giving testimony, maybe about missions or an apostle type ministry uh, overseas, or then somebody else is an evangelist and they tell those great stories. And you kind of want all the gifts, you know, you kind of want, or you, or you start sort of operating as if you had a gift that you don't have to try to, to, to mimic that. Do you see that a lot? I know you're pastoring a large church and you speak around the world. Uh, the, this thing of, of sort of almost like jealousy for gifts that aren't necessarily given by God. Uh, <clears throat> I don't see it all that much. I see it more in the new Testament than I do in the current <laughs> church. Um, because I think that's exactly what part of the problem was in Corinth is that some Christians there had, um, had drawn the conclusion that the more overtly supernatural gifts like prophecy and tongues and, and, and things of that sort somehow were a badge of honor or an indication of you know, higher status in the kingdom or more value to the body of Christ. And Paul said, look, you all, have, you all are thinking like babes. You need to grow up and realize that a gift is precisely that. It's an expression of grace. It's not a reward or a, for uh, meritorious efforts. Um, so, you know, at the end of chapter uh, 12, it's a, that portion of the, of the text that people oftentimes ignore, Paul makes it very clear that nobody in the body of Christ can say, well, my gift is superior to yours, therefore I don't need you, or you're inferior, and therefore, you know, you're of, of lesser value. Uh, you know, he says God has perfectly aligned and apportioned people gifts so that the body of Christ can function uh, well in carrying out its ministries. So, yeah, I do. I mean, of course, you see all sorts of extremes and fanaticism and excess in the body of Christ today when it comes to uh, the work of the Spirit. And uh, so, yes, that sort of thing does exist. I don't see it all that much. I by God's grace, I haven't seen it in our church. Um, now, is that to say that there aren't people who are out there saying to themselves, you know, man, I, I wish I could preach, or I wish I could prophesy, or I wish I could pray for the sick with more success. Sure, I mean, yeah, that's that's na almost natural, that's human. Um, but I, I think, again, once we come back to the realization that gifts are graces, they are expressions of God's mercy. Um, and again, primarily designed to help build up other believers. Um, I, I think that's, a, that's a Paul's remedy for that kind of tendency in the body of Christ. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.